If you're looking to drive revenue for your Chicago-based firm and accelerate your business development evolution, join us for a free interactive presentation entitled The Journey to Business Development Excellence, Navigating the Stages of Maturity in Professional Services Firms. This in-person breakfast program will take place on June 7th from 8 to 10 a.m. at the Old Post Office in Chicago, Illinois. The program is free for firm leaders and business development drivers. Pipeline Plus CEO David Acker and Senior Account Executive Hannah Hazinski will explore the stages of business development maturity in professional services firms and provide specific takeaways to help take your firm's BD strategy to the next level. Discover the 10 key areas that influence your firm's business development success, including operations, culture, and collaboration. Plus, network with, build relationships, and learn from a unique community of like-minded professionals. Invite a colleague or your entire team, because every registrant will be entered to win a one-year subscription to our proprietary sales acceleration platform, Pipeline Plus Essentials. Don't miss out on this tremendous opportunity. Register now and take a definitive step towards achieving business development excellence at your firm. You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit PipelinePlus.com. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Lisa Vecine, the CMO of AGG. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me today. So we're going to talk about recruiting, developing, and retaining an effective marketing and business development team. But before we dive into that, love to learn a little bit more about you. Tell us about your background and the firm. So currently, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Arnold Golden Gregory, where I oversee the firm's business development, communications, branding, and marketing technology initiatives. I have 30 years of experience in professional services marketing, including nearly 20 in legal marketing. And so at AGG, I work with a team to help facilitate collaboration across our attorneys, our firm's industry teams, our practices, and we also are responsible for helping distribute the firm's content across all of our external channels. And I'm also part of the firm's leadership team that oversees the firm-wide administrative functions. Now, you recently rebuilt the foundation of your department at AGG. Tell us why you did that. That's correct. So um, a couple of years ago at AGG, I was in my third year here at the firm. And I had a a really good feel at that point for the workflow that was coming in and out of the department. So I would say our marketing team has undergone an an evolution over the course of the last couple, couple of years. And as I analyzed that workflow coming in and out of the department, I became much more familiar with where our attorneys were prioritizing their marketing and business development goals. And so at that point, it really enabled me to assess the roles and responsibilities of the folks we had on the team 
from the standpoint of are we aligning the services and the talent that we have in the firm with where our attorneys need the most support? So really drawing from that knowledge and analysis, I took a look at the marketing team. I analyzed the roles that we had, the responsibilities, the talent. And based on that analysis, it really occurred to me that our team is primarily responsible for two tracks. And I split the team into a market communications track and a business development track. Uh, and I have folks within the department that are aligned under each track. But of course, you know, with, there is cross collaboration um, on a regular basis. But it really was critical for me, David, to be able to have a team that was structured in the right way. So we could start to build a really strong and solid foundation that I anticipated we could build on to then take our work product and the, the level of support we provide to the attorneys on a much higher level. So it was really about getting some early wins, get, grabbing that low-hanging fruit, being seen as a, a well-run team, a quality work product from this team in order to really demonstrate to the attorneys, and there is more that we can do because we're drawing on the successes that we have had through the projects we've engaged in. You know, this split between marketing and business development is not an uncommon one, but it's interesting to get a feel for in the trenches, what were you seeing specifically that lawyers were looking for in terms of support in one way or the other? It ran the gamut, but when I streamlined the workflow coming in into one of the two tracks, there was a lot of uh, attorneys that were interested in writing. They didn't always necessarily know the outlet. They were interested in speaking, again, didn't always understand the outlet or where they should be speaking. So we really worked to, for certain instances, particularly in support of our industry teams, work to really have an understanding of the key organizations, the key industries where our attorneys could be spotlighted through a thought leadership position as subject matter experts within that industry, within that conference. And then uh, on the flip side, on the business development side, we were seeing, although not often pitch and proposal requests coming into the department. Traditionally, the team had been really just providing off-the-shelf materials. You know, content that was on the website would be downloaded into a pitch book and it would be emailed off to an attorney. We really worked to raise the bar on that, which was, you know, setting planning meetings, better understanding what the client was interested in in receiving. We worked to customize and tailor our off-the-shelf materials. And were and really ask questions of the attorneys that they hadn't necessarily been asked before. And so we really were trying to up our game a little bit, just showing that we were more of a, a partner for them as opposed to just uh, somebody that was executing on their exact request that came through the door. Yeah, that makes good sense. How do you protect your department from getting bogged down in administrative work? Yeah, it's a great question. I really do think the best way to determine whether a task or project or initiative is really rooted for marketing and business development is to really have an understanding of what does this work entail? What are we trying to accomplish? What are the attorneys trying to achieve? And then ultimately, if it doesn't fit within the scope of the marketing and business development team, then we need to find a new home for it. I'm sure many of your listeners well, remember the early days of legal marketing and especially the, the development of marketing teams. And often at the time, I remember those times well, you know, marketing, the marketing department served as a catch-all for a lot of work. Some of that was the attorneys just didn't know who else to go to 
Um, and so they would ping the marketing folks. And, you know, we're all all trying to, to raise our profile with the attorneys. We want to do a good job. We want them to trust us. So we would often take on that work. And then it sort of set, it stayed with the marketing team. So I really am very conscious that if our team is interested in raising the bar and the work that we're doing, it means we're going to have to get engaged in more strategic projects that require thinking time, that require planning time. It's not, it's less task focused and it's more strategic focused. And so we really cannot be inundated with administrative tasks that do belong elsewhere. So I'll give you an example of one of those. Here at the firm, we have every attorney in the firm has a budget, every practice has a budget, and every industry team has a budget. And so we have a lot of budgets that are the marketing department is managing. We are also on a daily basis approving expense reimbursements for the attorneys. And it just became so voluminous. You know, think about nearly 200 budgets and expenses that are being hit on those budgets at any time, any point, any day. It really was saddling almost one and a half members of the marketing department just to be processing expenses and to be managing the attorney budgets and, you know, remaining balances. So I really worked to identify another resource for that. And for me, it felt like instead of centralizing all of that through the marketing and team, it made the most sense to decentralize that and put the responsibility of expense tracking and budget management back on the legal assistance. And so I really worked with our HR director, um, our IT folks, because there was some IT work that was needed to be configured in order to shift the project on the legal assistance. And came up with a process where the legal assistants were now the one were now the ones that were tasked with applying expenses to attorney budgets at the same time they were submitting them for reimbursement. And so I can tell you that the volume that has come off of the marketing team has really enabled us to free up. We have now half a person as opposed to one and a half folks that have sort of a minimal role in that process. And it really belongs with the right folks at this point. The lawyers really need the trains to be running on time, right? So that they are not burdened with administrative work that would detract from their ability to bill. And so obviously, as you said, marketing is right there. They get the first call. And as you point out, the marketing department wants to raise their profile with the lawyers and demonstrate that they could be helpful and that they can make an impact. And so they take it on. And before long, they end up being just another administrative function without ever having the opportunity to demonstrate what they can do from a strategic perspective, how they can really help grow the firm and and amplify the business development intentions and, and objectives that are in the minds of the lawyers. And so I think it's so smart what you've done here is make sure that that administrative work is you know, is getting accomplished, but it's allocated to the appropriate people so that marketing can can focus on producing strategic outcomes. I wonder, what does that look like in your department? Do you have regular strategy meetings? Do you, uh, you said you sit on the executive team with the, with other sort of C-suite executives at the firm. Uh, I'm just curious, what's different now that you've moved that administrative work aside such that law firm leadership can see the difference? 
I mean, there's a, there's a number of things. There's time it takes for reimbursements to go through is, is much quicker than it had been. The amount of returns that the marketing team would have to send back because it didn't have the right, either the receipts or it didn't have the right justification to be put through as an expense, those have been significantly reduced. The number of times the attorneys have had to get engaged to try to clear up an expense reimbursement and, and why it was either delayed or not being put through in a timely manner has been cut down significantly. But one thing I didn't mention when I was describing the program earlier that I probably should have is, you know, it's a very delicate balance between finding the right, for lack of a better word, home for function like that and making it seem like the department is not just pushing work off to others. And so when I was building the business case and we had training set, we we developed a pilot program with a a certain number of legal assistants just to get them to um, vet the program. You know, I really believed and I communicated to the legal assistants that this was going to help to empower them because marketing and business development is driven at the attorney level by, in a certain sense, their budgets. And so if the legal assistants could be empowered to have conversations with their attorneys about what else, what other activities do they have coming up for the year? Where have they had some pockets of budgeted line items that maybe didn't hit earlier in in the year that they could repurpose to some other activity that maybe a client asked them to engage in? You know, the more that the attorneys can can turn to their legal assistance for that type of intelligence and that type of conversation is just enabling the legal assistance to add more value to the firm. And it really has taken a couple of years to make sure that it's, you know, the trains are running on time and the track is still there, but we sort of have it on autopilot at this point. And and I do get a lot of positive feedback at this point from the legal assistance that it is, another element that they're able to bring to the attorneys in terms of the support they're providing. Now the lawyers are able to attend conferences and write and participate in proposals more easily and more frequently. And that, of course, has an impact on their uh, books of business, ultimately. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the key to making all of this work is having an effective team What in your mind are the keys to recruiting, developing, and retaining that team? I think some of that draws back to what I was describing earlier about the evolution of the marketing team. I mentioned it's sort of been two years that we've evolved. And I would say during that two-year timeline, it really forced me, as I mentioned earlier, to make sure that our internal structure was the right one for this firm, that it was responsive to what we were hearing and receiving in terms of work input from the attorneys. But it also made me look externally. And so I was looking at the way other marketing teams were structuring their teams. Uh, I did a lot of research in industry salary surveys just to better understand market rates and comp adjustments and bonuses and you know, attorney to staff ratio. I was looking at geographies. I was looking at sizes of law firms. And I really think that that exercise really helped equip me with a really think fair, but yet aspirational job specs for folks on the team. So for instance, what that means is taking all of that intel into account, I was developing job positions that again, yes, were responsive to what we were seeing and needing to 
work with the attorneys on, but also was very conscious about, well, where does this position, where can this position grow? We know that we, you know, the person that we get into the firm, we know we want, we're making an investment in them. So we've, we've got to try to identify areas of opportunity and growth for them. So conscious of building that type of element into the job specs. And again, based on the research for compensation and bonus was able to offer competitive compensation benefits, flexible schedules, you know, post COVID, pre COVID and post COVID, we were looking to find ways that we could be more flexible with work schedules, working from home. And I think all of that has helped us to recruit people coming in. We've had candidates that we have interviewed who their sole, you know, interest was, is there a flexible work schedule at AGG? And so we have to sort of understand what the market is seeking, what the candidates are requesting and be responsive to that. The other element I guess I could build into this response is during the recruiting process. You know, you have candidates that we are bringing in, identify a fit with the firm. Obviously, we we anticipate they have the level of skills. And traditionally, I had been looking for folks that had either law firm experience or professional services experience that had been sort of top of my list. But the time that we were recruiting for some positions, the market was tight. We weren't seeing a lot of candidates come through the door. So we were a little bit more flexible in interviewing folks that maybe didn't check all the boxers or maybe didn't check even the majority of the boxes, but we had a candidate come in who really didn't have the level of depth and experience we were looking for, but had such energy, had such curiosity, portrayed this sentiment that quick learner asks questions, would work hard to really ramp up quickly. And, uh, And we ended up hiring her and she has been a tremendous asset to the team. So I I think it's having a job spec that really is representative of what we need this person to do, but having an open mind, I guess you could say, to identifying when you have a candidate in front of you who may not check all the boxes, look at them uh, maybe through a different lens and one that is maybe a better fit for the, the culture of the firm, would interact well with other team members, and can truly add value and ramp up quickly because of their interest and their energy. And then maybe touching on retention briefly it's an i think an ongoing work in progress when you have a team whether it's a small team or a large team you know the team dynamic is such that it is a sort of a constant evolving thing at the end of the day uh i always tell my team and others you know when we are chatting in the industry about retention for teams i do believe that we do need to like each other. I do feel that there is a strong sentiment there. You'll want to work with people that you like. And so I do think that finding outlets and ways for team members to be able to engage socially, team building, strategic meetings, I think all of that helps folks feel you know, a sense of fit within the department and also within the firm. I could certainly do a better job of some of that, but I think my team knows that, you know, I have uh, good intentions there and (laughs) are continuing to ramp up and uh, find ways that we can engage uh, beyond just the day-to-day work that we're all working on together. I want to pull out a couple of things that you just said and spotlight them because I think there were some really great points in there. One is that I don't know what the studies may show, but my guess would be that most people who leave their firm for another firm 
do so either because of culture, a sense that you know they they don't feel connected to the their colleagues or their their teammates, or it's career tra- trajectory. They feel like they're sort of stuck and they just can't move to the next level. And both of those can be difficult to manage. Certainly, since the pandemic, creating this sense of cohesion when people are either working remotely or they're spread out across the country or you know whatever the various bar- barriers may be that's one obstacle and the other is marketing BD departments are only so large I mean how many career trajectories really can you authentically put in front of someone when they're going to move from specialist to manager to senior manager to director and then eventually they've got your job right I mean there just aren't that many sort of you know um movements to the right or left that are available in that kind of a structure. So taking a thoughtful approach like you have is really key to ensuring that people are clear on where they're headed. So often when I speak to marketing leaders, they are prioritizing law firm experience. And we understand why, right? This is a weird industry. And we're working with a very unique kind of person. And the things that work in another industry don't really apply to legal. So hiring someone who has law firm experience certainly is a boon, but I love what you said about really looking for those qualities, somebody who has the right energy, somebody who's bringing the level of enthusiasm, you know, they can learn our industry, but that level of energy or enthusiasm typically is more nature than nurture. And so hiring with that in the foreground, I think, really opens up the opportunities to bring in the right candidates and build the right team. Oh, absolutely. I do believe that energy at times and curiosity and willingness to learn can trump someone that has the exact experience you're looking for because they may not have the right personality or or fit for the team. So I don't know that we... I don't want to make a blanket statement, but you know, we we should always be paying attention to other qualities that may are be, you know, maybe the soft touches that aren't, you know, on paper that we have in the job spec and just be mindful that there could be a terrific candidate out there that again doesn't check many of the boxes. This way you're not boxing yourself in to only a certain candidate pool. The other thing I wanted to mention, Dave, you're right with, you know, movement. It is difficult, obviously, when you have a department that is more structured and has tiers of roles, it is more difficult to move into, you know, promotion and get promoted to the next title. But there are ways I feel that those folks can still continue to grow and learn within the firm. And that is by raising their profile outside of the marketing department. One of the things I've worked to do is to get our marketing department team members engaged in some firm committees. So for instance, we have staff that's on our DEI committee. We have staff on our community engagement committee. We have staff on our pro bono committee. And by staff, I mean marketing department members um, that we have asked the chairs and, and said, is there a willingness to have a marketing team member engaged? We can help on a number of different levels, but at a minimum, it will help us better understand what this committee is working to accomplish, what you have accomplished, and be able to communicate that to the right channels. And so, you know, again, I think thinking beyond just the immediate structure, looking at ways that folks on your team can add additional value in the firm is something to to just open your open your mind to. What are other ways that they contribute that will be meaningful to them outside of just their day-to-day function within the department? 
That is a really good point. It doesn't come down strictly to title. It really comes down to what is that employee's experience at your firm? And a lot of that is shaped by the kinds of committees and, and discussions that they get engaged in. Absolutely. And, and maybe one other point is professional development. I do believe very strongly that each um, each of us has a duty, especially managers and up, to serve as a mentor and a coach to the folks that we engage with um, that are on our teams that report into us. I think every engagement is a chance to teach and for them to learn. I think there's more learning to be made when there are mistakes and errors to correct. I think those are terrific times when as managers, we can either make a conscious choice to <laughs> discipline them again, for lack of a better word, or find a way to turn that into a teaching and coachable moment. We do have a budget, thankfully, and, and I thank the firm for this, their willingness to invest in the marketing and BD team, where every team member has an LMA membership. And I encourage everyone on the team to build out their their own peer advisory group based on other LMA members. And, you know, just again, demonstrating to them, doesn't matter what level they're at, that the firm is investing in them. And, you know, we would like them to take advantage of those, those opportunities when they can. So Lisa, I'm curious, you know, folks are going to be listening to this episode and some of them may be struggling with some of the things that you've touched on, especially as it relates to recruiting, developing and retaining an effective team. Do you have any final thoughts or, or nuggets for them to think about as uh, we wrap up? David, as you were asking me that question, the the word that popped into, into my mind is um, people. We're all people. Let's treat each other as people. Um, and I really do feel that it, building strong and solid relationships with your team members is critical. You know, I see my folks beyond just being employees of the firm and members of my team. I see them as everyday folks that are supporting their families and are, you know, taking on responsibilities and are committed to the growth of the firm. And I really do think that if we can engage at that sort of human level, then I think that we can accomplish anything. And I know that's a broad statement, but, you know, problems are maybe not so much big problems because we know that we can engage in dialogue with each other. That is not um, adversarial. You know, we're, we are all working together to find a common goal. And and I, I just would encourage our leaders that are listening to really invest that time. And they may be, I'm not, I don't mean to suggest we're not. Invest in that time to get to know your folks on a personal level. You know, if you're not having one-on-ones with your junior coordinators and your and your assistants, um, set some time to have those one-on-ones because it is important that every member of the team knows that they have access to you as the leader they have access to your calendar. They have, uh, you, you know, you have a willingness to take time out of your day because they're important. And I just think it's critical for every team member to know that they are uh, invested in, in that they're believed in, and that their team leader is supportive of them. Uh, I have a tendency to feel that they will be more satisfied in their job uh, at the firm and have even greater contributions to the firm generally. Well said. You know, one encouragement that maybe we can leave folks with is, as you said, if you don't have 
one-on-one -on -one check-in calls, um, definitely look to implement that. And another might be take a moment, think about the one person on your team this week who is probably really overwhelmed, either because they got buried with that RFP or there's this one project that's just you know become a runaway uh, or has gone way beyond scope. And maybe that's the person that you take a moment to reach out to and let them know that you were thinking about them. And is there any additional support that you can give them? But you know, at the very least, just that they're on your radar, that's engaging on a human level, as you say, Lisa, and I think that uh, it would be well-received. Yep, absolutely. Could not agree with that more. Well, this has been a pleasure. I so appreciate you sharing the uh, work that you've done at AGG to help streamline your department and put the right people in place, make sure that they're getting the support that they need and the attention that they need to thrive. I also really appreciate your humility. I mean, on more than one occasion today, you've acknowledge, look, I, I may not be perfect at this or you know, there are ways where I could improve, but this is what I'm shooting for. This is what I'm trying to build. Uh, you know, we're all human. Talk about engaging on a human level. <laughs> we're all uh, we're all fallible in some way or another, and we're all just doing our best in the face of it all. And I just really appreciate uh, you sharing your, your thoughts and your experiences with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am definitely a work in progress. I continue to learn and I learned from my folks and I learned from industry folks. And so it's been wonderful to be a part of this today. And, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me to join the podcast. You bet. Thanks for giving us an opportunity to learn from you. All right. Thank you so much. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit pipelineplus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.